from One World Trade Center in Manhattan, overlooking dozens of golf courses that will never have us as members, this is the Golf Digest Podcast. Welcome to the Golf Digest Podcast. This is Sam Wyman. I'm joined today by an esteemed panel of Alex Myers, Matthew Rudy, and Ryan Harrington, all of GolfDigest.com. And we are in this bizarre state of coming days after the British Open, but also preparing for the final major of the season, the PGA Championship, which this this year will be at Baltusrol Golf Club. And I guess as good a place to start as any is talking about the guy who last won a major at Baltusrol Golf Club, who is Phil Mickelson, who of course is the same Phil Mickelson who came in second at the uh, Open at Royal Troon, despite a gallant showing. Uh, Matt Rudy, your thoughts on Phil's mindset coming off a tournament in which he obviously played better golf than most people would ever ever play in their lives, but still came up short. Wait, you're not calling the Olympic gold? I know. I was major, just thought right? about that as I was saying. I was like, God, <laughs> I'm going to get yeah, or well, the FedEx Cup for that matter. <laughs> the thing about Phil, uh, we all watched what happened. He he, he had a tremendous performance. Uh, he would have won in the aggregate any other major, with the exception of one in the history of majors. And the way he did it was not with old man golf. It was with, you know, current player golf, powerful golf. You know, he he, he showed a lot of uh, poise. He showed a lot of power. He showed a lot of uh, uh, smoothness and, and things that we haven't seen from him in a long time. So I think this idea that suddenly he won't be relevant physically, uh, we can kind of put that to rest. The question, I think, is what do you do when you've played the best golf of your life? And it was not only short, it was three shots short. I mean, that's... That's a tough thing to absorb, and I think it's a tough thing to absorb not because physically he can't do it anymore, but because I think he sees that there are fewer opportunities in his future. I mean, the, the reality is he's not, he doesn't have unlimited tries at this, and to think that you, know, you could put that kind of performance together and it wasn't enough, uh, it, has to, it has to kind of uh, you know, pick at him a little bit like some of these, these U.S. Open misses. But you know, I talked to Dr. Mike Larden today, you know, who's been working with Phil for a long time, and and you know he said this is a different thing than than some of these other you know narrow misses. You know this this was a a triumph in in, in a way that you know these are these are two guys playing at their absolute peak, and it really is a shame that one of them had to lose. And 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 really the only way to look at it is to say you know um, the phrase he used that was awesome is he said that you know you want the the tournament to get in the way of the machine, and, mm-hmm. and if you can play this way and, and be the machine and just have a tournament you know happen to be on the schedule when you're hitting the ball that way. Only good things can happen. Alex, this 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 whole you know two majors in three weeks dynamics is going to be so different than anything we've like confronted unless you play on the Champions Tour or the LPGA, LPGA which is basically yeah. a, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they have, for them. have seven now, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, you know, it's a great point, which is that in some ways having two majors in three weeks is a great thing for a player because if you have some positive momentum, you can carry it into the next swing. But then there's this whole dynamic with Phil, which is he you know may may just be spent you know there's no time to recover after the emotions of what he put himself through at Troon yeah no I think you're right the the older players uh, it's probably going to be tougher uh, but but again he's an older player coming off this incredible performance and like Matt was saying I mean there's only so much you can do you shoot 17 under at a major you have to be feeling good about your game sure it's not the most time off but you know Phil's a guy who likes to play a lot of times the week before mm-hmm. a major anyway. He's not playing this week. 
So in a way, he's almost getting a little more time off than, than a normal major. And he's going to be coming in feeling really good about his performance. Um, obviously, it's a tough pill to swallow when you play that well and, and lose. But, um, you know, at 46 years old, he now has six top fives this year in the PGA Tour. He's in the top five in scoring. Uh, you know, he's one of the best players on the PGA Tour this year. And Henrik Stenson was asked afterwards uh, if he expected to see Phil at the Ryder Cup, and he almost laughed. At, he thought it was a joke of a question. I mean, Phil Mickelson's easily on the U.S. Ryder Cup team. He's not going to need to be a captain's pick or anything like that. He's one of the premier players still, despite the fact he hasn't won in three years. So he has to be feeling good. No matter what the timing of this, this last major is, he's feeling good, going back to a place where he won already. The one, Alex, I agree with both you and Matt in terms of, you know, he doesn't play old man golf. He doesn't do any. Uh, you know, he plays the modern game here. But I, I do think uh, physically for everybody that was at the Open, coming back and, and trying to perform again here in two weeks is going to be difficult. Yeah. Uh, and I think for to for Phil to expect to be on his game the way he was two weeks ago is probably asking a lot. And it's not asking a lot because he's 46. It's just asking a lot in general. Right. I, I, for instance, Henrik Stenson this coming week. I, I'd be very curious to see if he's really able to to build off momentum off this major championship like perhaps Dustin Johnson or some of these other guys that we used to think hey they can build off momentum by winning that first major I'm not sure if if Henrik's going to be able to play all that well this week because he's coming off the high of, of what he did at Troon and and so I, I think this is a totally different dynamic than what we've seen for PJ Tour guys because of how close these two majors are and it's really interesting for me to see um, how, how that's going to play out I think guys that were just down uh, a little farther below, like a J.B. Holmes, for instance. He's the one that I've looked to actually pick right. up some momentum. He played really well. He did something uh, solid and, and, and really uh, has some positive vibes from that. And I think that's the turnaround that I would expect much better than, say, a, a guy who played like lights out like Phil did. Because I think asking Phil to do it again is just asking too much. And, yep. and it's a mental piece. It's not. I don't think it's a physical tired, you know, yeah, I've, yeah. I've walked a lot, so I'm, I'm going to be sore and I can't play thing. It's it's being in the pressure cooker and the tool that takes in Stenson. You know, you've, 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 you've been under the pressure and then the release of winning. Sure. And it's, it's, a mental, it's a mental component, not a physical component. Totally. It's like you said, Alex, oh, you know, he usually, take, he usually plays the week before the major and now he's not playing. The, the, the difference is these guys use these weeks before to build up to mm-hmm. it. Well, there's, now there's no time to build up. There's no time to even deep compress on the other side. That you bring, Ryan brings up a really good point, which is some of the guys who can sort of take some, something away from the previous major and take it. Like, I, I, I'm curious about the guys who had disappointing weeks, i.e. Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, Roy McIlroy, of course, the three biggest ones, who, you know, in some ways it's frustrating that they, you know, don't, don't have a lot of time to find their game if it if it in fact it's missing the other side of it is hey you know you get right back out there you know two weeks later or a week later really to to get a chance yeah no i th- i think it's more that especially with those younger guys and especially with spieth day and mcelroy uh they were all on the bad side of the draw mm-hmm. so and for rory to finish t5 actually we're kind of, i think we've all kind of overlooked how good that was that was that was a pretty strong performance from him in in, in bad weather which we're not used to he seeing won, he won the b flight right i mean <laughs> he, he did so um but yeah those guys those younger guys they know they played on the, the bad side of the draw uh they're a little frustrated when they don't win they get frustrated because that's how good they are and, and like you said they get to get right back out there and go again i just think from a from a golf fan's perspective uh i at least personally i would be a little i'd like I have patience to wait. I'd like to see these big events. I know sure. I know the Olympics threw a wrench and everything, but I'd like to 
have them spread out a little more, even even in general, because even the U.S. Open, British, and PGA on a normal year, it goes by pretty yes, quick. Yes, totally. And now we're going to have over eight months until the Masters. Totally. I know we have the Ryder Cup, uh, which would be <laughs> nice, but you know, from a ma- you know strictly a major perspective, we're going to have over eight months now, and it's you know it's too bad. Every, everything I feel like this year is colored by the Olympics, and to to add to that, I would say another shame is that you wouldn't be lamenting that absence if there was another huge tournament right. coming up right. in August. And, you know, I think the Olympics will be special. I'm, I'm definitely on board with it. But mm. the fact that there have been so many guys who are dropping out, oh, you're, you're grimacing. So well, just like you said, the guys yeah. have dropped out. I mean, you know, even if a Bubba Watson wins, that, that would help save the event. But even Bubba Watson... He's going to know he didn't beat the best players in the world. Right. He, he didn't beat yeah, them. Yeah, at least I mean, you just don't look at the field. I mean, yeah. the field isn't just – it's just not deep enough to right. be on par with these yeah. other – You're, you're going to have to beat Henrik Stenson. He's not afraid of mosquitoes. That's true. No, I mean, there are – obviously, when you win, it'll be a big deal to whoever wins. But I think in terms of the world ranking points or whatever, it's, it's on the same level as, uh, you know, like an average tour event. Yeah. It's not – it's not, and it probably shouldn't be that, and it shouldn't even be that, no. right? It, it, so, it's just that's taking a little out of but it. But the novel, first of all, I don't want to turn this into an Olympics discussion because no, yeah. we could go on for days, and we'll have time to talk about the Olympics. But I think the novelty factor alone is what elevates it. Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's talk for a second about the PGA and the, the identity of the PGA. I think there's a um, truth out there that the PGA is the fourth of the four majors. That said, I don't think it gets enough credit for entertainment value because it routinely delivers, if not you know, the best major of the year, you know, it's always a very entertaining major for a lot of different reasons. But what do you think, where, do you, where does the PGA rank for you? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly if you ask any player, it would come number four for them. And that's, sure. we all know that. But when you read off the list of a player's accomplishments and they've won major championships, it's not they won three majors and a PGA. I mean, right. it's, it's looped, it's a major. And um, I think you're right, I think it has... For whatever reason, maybe because the golf course is set up a little easier. Obviously, we saw Jason Day go nuts last year at Whistling Straits. Um, you do get great finishes there. You do get some really exciting golf. Uh, you don't, you know, I, I, I know we've talked about this. I like the U.S. Open and the struggles. That <laughs> but most fans like to see guys get into the teens under double digits under par. And you usually see that at a PGA. So it's created some exciting golf. And we've and it, it has happened to have some of the best finishes um so to conclude a major season it's been it's done a great job i I think it's uh, it's really elevated itself over the last couple years Mm. because of some of those ones and because of some of the winners that it's had too i mean you could argue that maybe sometimes it's had some fluky winners back uh, 10 15 years ago and in the last couple years with with rory winning and with jason day winning Mm -hmm. here you know i I think that's helped it a lot um and i think they've they've done a, a good job of finding a niche in terms of Okay, the the U.S. Open is known for being super tough, and uh, the British Open has the weather, and the Masters is the Masters. They found a niche of saying, "Hey, we're not going to worry about a score. We're going to worry about trying to create a really competitive event." Mm-hmm. And um, and I think you've seen that play out over the course of the last few years. Because you know, we all hated watching what happened on Sunday at, at Troon, right? All those right. Bird, those, those birdies were horrible terrible. to watch. I, mean, <laughs> I see. I, see, I disagree about easy setups. I, I don't think anyone would have said that Whistling Straits last year was easy. I think the setups are entertaining, and I think that that was the same thing that happened to Troon. The, anybody besides those two guys would not have said that Troon was easy. Right. What Troon was was uh, a golf course that offered you chances to make 
birdies if you hit good shots. And I think that what the PGA has discovered is that if you make some challenging setups that have choices for players to make and variety of, of options for them to hit shots and, it, and, and you reward good shots, number one, the players enjoy playing in that tournament. And number two, the best players win the tournament. And I think the biggest, the biggest complaint the US, that I've always had about the U.S. Open is it's never identified the best players in the world. If you look at any of the best players in the world since Hogan, not one of those players had their best record in the U.S. Open. And that's the biggest black mark on that tournament you can imagine because it rewards the kind of golf that isn't compatible with what we consider to be the consensus best player in the world. Mm. And, and to me, making birdies, avoiding mistakes, all of those things are part of being a great player. It's not just hitting it down a little narrow fairway and hitting it onto a, little, you know, a, a particular spot on the green and not making six. In some ways, it's the best of both worlds. And this, this message is not sponsored by the PGA of America, by the way. But, <laughs> but um, in the sense that you are taking a, you know, a long-time U.S. Open venue, and they've mm-hmm. done this a few times now, but like a long-time respected uh, USGA venue, and they've taken a lot of the just severity out of it and made it you know, playable. And now, again, I think it's important to emphasize that playable does not mean easy. It means that you're going to be rewarded. It, you know, the rough is still damaging, but it's, the fairways are a little bit wider. The golf course is a little bit softer. So you're seeing golf cor- golf cor- great golf courses and players, but players are able to be a little bit more aggressive than they were. Sure. I mean, Troon averaged over par. I mean, right. what, what Stenson and Mickelson did was, I mean, they were, you know, miles ahead of the field. And I, I just think playing in less than four hours, making birdies, making double or triple when you hit bad shots. That's what golf should be about. That's why people love Augusta, because you can make mistakes and get punished, and you can make birdies. What was great about, uh, and not to make this an open championship podcast too, but what was great was how aggressive those guys could be on those greens because of the fact that they had slowed them down, and so nobody was worrying about the comebackers, and so they could really go out and try to make birdies. And and, um, I think the PGA Championship, it's not like they slow down the greens to do that, but but – they they try to create a, a golf course where you're going to have opportunities to have birdies and and you don't have to be afraid to play golf out there. You just go and and if you're feeling good, you can you can post a really good score. It's worth noting, of course, speaking of aggressive golf, that Paul Desrall finishes with uh, par five seventeenth, par five eighteenth, which is you know one of the most unique. And actually, if you're if you play, uh, you start off the tenth tee. Actually, the first hole. No, I take that back. For the first for members, it's a par four, but. Um, for everyone, for, for members, it's a par it's a five. five. Yeah. For, right. Anyway, I butchered that. But what my point is, it's a par five, par five finish, uh, which is in terms of being aggressive. I mean, Phil had to make a birdie in the last hole in 2005 to win the tournament, which is, you know, is everything you can ask for from from a fan's perspective. Yeah, closing par fives, I think, are awesome. We never see them at the U.S. Open. Obviously, there's not one in Augusta. Um, this will be great. You meant two is very rare, although the 17th hole is, I mean – it's a little meaty. <laughs> I, play, and I played it <laughs> yeah. a month ago from the tips. Wow. I was, I was, You're still playing it, aren't yeah. you? I, was, I think I was on in seven. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it was, yeah. It I don't th- I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not the typical par five where these guys are, you know, reaching it in two. But I mean, Dustin Johnson's going to have a chance to go for yeah, it. Exactly. I mean, it's still a birdie hole for some guys. I mean, it's not like yeah. a given birdie yeah, yeah. hole, but, but, you know, you're going to have a wedge. Jason Day is going to, you know, yeah. Yo, there's going to be guys Bubba that and can Day, it. yeah, those yeah. few, D- DJ, yeah, they'll, they'll have a chance. Yeah, well, Hen- Henrik Stenson proved that any hole is a birdie hole. If you hit every <laughs> shot exactly in the yeah. middle of yeah. the face, every hole, for those guys, every hole is a yeah. birdie hole. All right, so we, uh, if we think then that the, the venue is going to be one that, you know, we're going to see some good scoring, who, who's going to take advantage of it? Which, which player out there? Like, for instance, for me, Roy McIlroy has a little 
Red little, ass. Yeah, red ass. Thank you. That was exactly the <laughs> yeah. words I was going to say, but I thought we had to bleep them out. No, red, uh, red arse. Red arse uh, going on here. One, he's pissed at the media for the way they handled things. Two, he's pissed that he got on the wrong side of the, the draw. And, yeah. and and three, he, he's ready to make a statement. And, and you know, I, I think, for instance, uh, of anybody coming out of, uh, of Troon, he's the one that I think has uh, the most to uh, – to show off, so to speak, and so I think he's going to take advantage of this, and I, I can see a real big week from him. He he had that there was a column where, and he was asked about it, where he's been called the Ringo of the Big Four, and I don't think he liked that. <laughs> Ooh, considering who wrote that? James Corgan. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, considering he has as many majors as the other Big Three combined, and uh, what have you done for me lately? Right, I guess. exactly. Wow. It's, it's rough. To be fair, Ringo was an excellent drummer. No, so. he was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's no slight. How many people. majors did he win? <laughs> But, no, I, Rory certainly has a lot to prove. I think Jason Day, uh, the year that he's had, or the, the last 12 months that he's had, but particularly even in 2016, obviously he, he didn't play a lot at the beginning. He got off to a slow start. He got red hot. I think there's no way he gets through this calendar year without winning a major. I think that would be a major uh, blow to his psyche going forward because he knows he's the best and he's been the best player this year. and. Um, if he if he doesn't emerge from 2016 with the major, I, I would, coming into the year I would have been shocked. And again, I think this is the major of all that maybe sets up the best for him. Um, I think he gets it done. I, th- I think he closes, and I think he win wraps up Player of the Year as well. I, I, I definitely agree that this it's 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 so well suited for him. But every time I see Jason Day, I feel like he needs to be in bubble wrap or something. <laughs> There's always there's always something wrong. He's, something he's, you know, he's got a yeah. tweak. He's got a vertigo. He's got a cold. He's got the flu. There's always some little nagging problem, you know. Th- and and he's never he never seems to be firing exactly the way he wants to be firing. And when he did for that you know that month or six week stretch last year, obviously he's a world beater. I think Patrick Reed is the guy who's in position to win this tournament. He was right there. He had the bad side of the draw at the British yeah. Open, and he was still on the first page of the leaderboard mm-hmm. most of the week. And and for a guy like that, that's what he needs. You know, just like Jason Day went through this growth period where he needed to go and and get in contention and fail a few times at majors. You know, Roy McIlroy did it. They all do it, with the exception of maybe Jordan Spieth, who just sort of went right into the sure. head of the class. You need to go and fail a couple times and go and see what other players are doing. You know, go and watch what Stenson did. Go and watch what Mickelson did a few years ago at the British Open. You got to see guys do that a few times, then you can go do it yourself. And I think we might be seeing that period for Patrick Reed, you know, coming to an end. I also think it's like really emboldening to guys like that when they see Dustin Johnson, who had come up short mm-hmm. in majors, and then when he's sort of in the crucible, yeah, doesn't falter at all. Same thing with Spenson. You know, there yeah. was, if it, you know, everyone was saying, oh, so much pressure on, right. yeah, on yeah. Stenson, none on Phil, and holds up quite well. So I think these guys are realizing that yes, you can be very nervous in the final round mm-hmm. of a major, and you can, and you can, you know you can obviously give some strokes away, but there's also a very good chance that you're inspired and you play your best golf ever. Yeah, they know they can do it. They can. They just need to do it that day. Completely. Um, what you were going to say about... Who's your pick? Yeah. Oh, my pick's Rory. Rory. No, I, I, I'm i real solid on Rory. The, one, the other guy coming out of... Um, Troon that I was uh, curious your opinions about it is Jordan Spieth because here's here's a guy who I think is almost reverting back a little bit and becoming less likely to win majors just by listening to him. He had that weird um, response to how 
all these questions have been so negative this year against him. And, you know, this would be a really good year if I didn't have last year to compare against. Well, yeah, of course. Last year yeah. was an exceptional year. And even you should realize that. And for the first time, I started to believe it's really starting to get to him a little bit, actually. And so of all the big players right now, I think he's the least likely sure. to, to come through. I think he needs a kind of a reset. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not going to be a, a great player down the road or anything like that. But I think, you know, I think the next few weeks, uh, you know, get through the PGA Championship, be away from the Olympics, <laughs> and, and and maybe recharge for the FedEx Cup or the Ryder Cup or whatnot. But I'm really surprised at hearing some things from him, and I think uh, he's the of the big names. He's the one that we're not likely going to see. This play feels well. like the kind of year that when we read a story about Jordan Spieth five years from now, he's gonna you're gonna read a, pa- a chapter or or, or a, a couple of paragraphs about how I really struggled in 2016 <laughs> with expectations, and it really started to get to me, and then. You know, X, Y, and Z happened, and I turned around. I learned. I learned how. I learned from my 2016 experience that you know I, I've got to do X, Y, or Z. I think that's but you also. Yeah. yeah, it's also where you remember that he's 21 or 22. Totally. I mean, exactly. You know, it's, yeah. It's and and com- trying to compare to 2015 sure. is in an impossible comparison. I mean, even his next best season ever is going to be a hard time yeah, comparing he, to that. And majors are hard to win. Number one, winning two in a year is an amazing year for anybody. For Tiger Woods, it's a good year. Mm-hmm. And to to do that at 20 or 21 years old, I think you know. It, even if you have at that age, even if, even if you have the greatest perspective in the world, your perspective as an adult is still mm-hmm. only a couple of years. And and you know it's those things are bound to have more of a, an emotional impact on him. The questioning and the picking, you know, just the attention that you get. Something as dumb as worrying about you know being in an advertisement for the Olympics when you're not going to be in the Olympics. You know that's something that's not even if you're Tiger Woods, it's not even on your radar. But for Jordan Spieth, because he's still at that stage where he cares about stuff. I mean that's you know that's that's going to wear on him. Well, that was a that was a it was a really good uh, column. I feel like I've mentioned this before that Jaime had written about Jordan Spieth. Is that so many things that make him great are also the things that are difficult to sustain. Which is not to say he won't, but they're just difficult. One is that he is a very earnest guy and he cares about giving thoughtful answers and thinking things through. Unfortunately, when you're that thoughtful, things weigh on you more. The other thing is he you know is an all world putter, which is a fleeting thing or can be a fleeting thing. He can't time. he can't win without his A game. It's hard, much harder yeah. for him than for Dustin Johnson. Exactly, and then you know the other thing is just he just burns hot. He, like he's an, he's an intense competitor, which is very admirable, but also one of those things where it, you, things grate on you more. So, but you, you you know in other sports and team sports, uh, they talk about oh this guy wouldn't be able to handle hack it in you know New York media or something. I, I kind of get that impression with Jordan Spieth after this last <laughs> week because he had a year of the most positive press that has ever been given to an athlete, and deservedly so. But now that, you know, now things start to go a little off here or there. And these questions were not. It's not yeah. even negative. They it's were not, not negative. negative. Yeah. It's neutral. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and he's freaking out about it. That's not a good sign well. to me. But but again, again, it's not. He's not playing in New York. He's not going to get written out. People aren't. People didn't then pounce on him like they would in other sports. And um, and by the way, though, the Wednesday of the PGA, he does turn 23. So he's he's getting up there. <laughs> I hope he's, plan- I hope he's the, planning for retirement. Yeah, maybe. right, right. The, so the biological know. clock. Is yeah, ticking. it's ticking. So speaking of biological clock, well, maybe that's an awkward phrase to be using. <laughs> but um, speaking of just father time, Tiger Woods had <laughs> announced earlier this week that he is out for the PGA and out for the by default he's out for the rest of the 2015-16 season. So we'd be remiss in not talking about Tiger and you know whether we see him again. You know, there's a chance he comes back in the fall. Um, but let's talk about that. Do we see him at the Fries.com open in October? Do we see him at all ever again? What do you think? I don't think he plays in the fall. I mean, I, I just don't see what the point would be. I know in his mind it would be to 
get some reps. But I think at this point, there's nothing important now the rest of the year. He's not going to play in the, the Olympics or the Ryder Cup, obviously. So he might as well take as much time off as possible. That's the drum he's been beating all year, being patient and coming back. Um, I really don't see why coming back in, in, in the you know might as well wait till February in Torrey Pines or, next year or come back at your you know his silly season or silly, right. okay fine. like in December or yeah something. December maybe because of the publicity value of doing sure. it I could see that happening if in fact he's physically able to do it I don't think anyone knows where he is physically yeah. I think there's a there's a huge gulf between going and playing a couple times a week casually with friends as you work on things with your game and practicing the way you have to practice to play on tour. I don't think people realize how much, you know, n- not only how much he has to do to physically get back to be able to play, but also to be able to then knock the rust off of the stuff that he needed to improve to compete, you know, to be, you know, a viable tour player. I mean, those, those are two big pieces. There's a, you know, guy who can walk upright and not be in agony to play golf. That's number one. And then number two is, now I have to go and beat players like Dustin Johnson who are carrying at 320 or 330. I mean, the, you know, he might even achieve number one and not be able to achieve number two. Sure. And, and, and that just means, I mean, I, th- I think that's the Sandy Koufax path to retirement I, I, where I, you just can't do it anymore. I think it's totally prudent for him to wait, and, like you just said, until, until that physical thing is ready, there is no point in coming back because th- this is it. This is the last comeback. If he has another breakdown, I just don't think anyone – ever believes he's going to really then be able to return to form so wait until you are 100 percent confident that you can do this because those guys are hitting it a lot longer than you are it's going to be a totally different game once he comes back and if he's not ready for that game wait until you're ready there's no harm in doing that well first of all we have limited information about where his mind is right now but it's fair to say that he was not ready to play you know he wasn't ready to play physically the, the the open championship at that point there's no point in coming back and playing you know the canadian open uh because the pga is coming right you no, know yeah. your game's not ready but sure. i do think there's a lot of value in playing uh in the fall just to get ramp yourself up for all the reasons you described there's a big difference between playing casual golf and playing competitively why not allow yourself a few tournaments to you know work yourself back into you know fine form if you're physically able to do so i i think uh one, one thing that – I mean, this is just my speculation, but I, I think if he if he's doing this, if, he, if he's working out, if he's hitting balls and he sees that he can't be, you know, a, a loose representation of what he was before, I don't think we'll see him ever again mm-hmm. because I, I don't think there's any value to him to coming out and being the, you know, the number 64 player in the world or right. the number 78 player in the world where, you know, maybe he's in contention once in a year and, and that's it. But he's gonna, you know, he's gonna grind it out through 20 events and hope to win the John Deere. I just don't. I, I think he has a very realistic assessment of, of where of where he is, what he can, what what he has the possibility of doing, and I don't think that we're gonna see, you know, sort of the happily diminished player who's just in, just happy to be out there. I, I don't think we're gonna see that. I think we're either gonna see the guy who comes back and can compete, or the guy who designs golf courses and you know shakes hands at at grand openings of golf courses. I think it also, if, if he sits out the entire year, nobody's expecting him to do anything now when he comes back. That makes the story even I better. Agree. No, I, I, I think I think if he comes back next year now, you know, with with no one expecting anything of him, I think that frees him up a little more. And if and like if, if he, he can, doesn't... If he can do it. Right, and if he can't, like you said, he's not going to linger no. around. He's not. But this way... It's going to, you know, he now has this narrative that, wow, he was that injured. He had to sit out yep. an entire year. It's a heroic departure. Exactly. Right. And, 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 and to come back, 
um, at thefries.com, I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't. Uh, I also, pe- I also think people forget more quickly than you think. You know, when I, w- I walked every step of the way when David Duvall won the British Open, and that guy could not be more different than the guy who just shot 80-whatever at Troon. Mm-hmm. People don't even remember who that – Yeah. Know, the guy who shot 59 to win a tour event, right. they don't remember that player. You know, that, that player's gone. And it's because David Duvall's played a lot of indifferent golf over the last mm-hmm. few years. And obviously Tiger's an order of magnitude greater than that. But if you do that for long enough and and disappear into the sunset that way, people people forget – what you were, and I don't think Tiger wants people to forget who he was. So that's an argument for coming back. No, I, no, I think no. I think he's either going to. But he's he, got so much bad golf that he's played since you know in the last yeah. two or three years. But but he can say he was hurt, hurt because yeah. he had two more surgeries. And I think it, you know if you if you go out on your on your shield so to speak and say, hey man, I just couldn't play anymore because I got hurt. That's a that's a better narrative. I mean, this, this is you know this is a guy with a complicated psyche anyway. So you know if you're if you're wired the way he is. You know, are you the the Navy SEAL who is forcibly retired at age whatever forty, or are you the one who wants to hang on and be at the fringes that everybody kind of makes fun of? I mean, to me, there's it's a note for him. If I'm if I'm armchair psychoanalyzing him, he's the guy who says, you know, if if, if I don't feel like I can at least be, uh, you know, a shadow of what I was, I'm not going to come back out and do it again. I'm, I'm you know I'm just you know I, that's that's not satisfying to me. I, I don't think coming back to even be like Steve Stricker and that's no knock on yeah. Steve Stricker but but to come back and be Steve Stricker and play 15 tournaments a year and and be on the the far loose fringes of contention in a major I don't, I don't think that's a satisfying outcome for him I th- well first of all <laughs> if he if there's, there's no crystal ball but if you're able of, if he's capable of playing golf at the level of Steve Stricker was last week that means that he thinks he can compete at some level like he's healthy I, I disagree I mean I, I, I just think that, like, you know, at some point there's obviously there's – there's always going to be a gap between expectations and reality. But in your mind, if you're actually able to play tour-level professional golf, then you are – then in his mind, I'm capable of winning major championships I think because the difference, of who the he difference, is. The, tour, the difference between tour average, you know, the guy who's – But he doesn't, he's not going to look at it that yeah, way. Yeah, but the guy who's 80th on the money list, the difference between that guy and where Tiger Woods was – I mean, Tiger Woods was on Mount Everest. Of course. And, I mean, there, there's, there's more distance between the 80th player on tour and where Tiger was – than that, than that 80th person and me. I mean, that's that's. But a, that's the 80th a, guy in the world right now goes into the goes into the PGA. If assuming he's in the PGA, thinking he can win the PGA, he thinks he can win a major. And Tiger has been delusional what? for a few years now, thinking I can contend. We obviously couldn't have. So my point is, is that if he can get to that level where he's, you know, sh- you know, his scoring average of let's say that's 72 or something like that, he's convinced that he's, you know, a, a, a putt around away from but, from winning a major. But can he hit enough balls in in a day or in a week or in a month to to be that guy? If he sees that he can't do that. There's no way with the way the tour is now that he can just, you know, compete his way into winning a major. I mean, you, you know, he has to hit the balls and fix the stuff that's broken in his game to, to be competitive. And if he can't hit the balls and, and do the work that's required, you're not just going to go out and intimidate, you know, for example, Jordan Spieth, who, ne- who never saw in real life the Tiger Woods that we all remember. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, Tiger was already over as a dominant force before Jordan Spieth even got there. Even Rory McIlroy has never seen Tiger Woods sure. in that. In that, you know, those, for, for those guys, Tiger might as well be Jack Nicklaus, where, you know, you hear all the great stories. He was a great champion, you know, all those great. But, but you never, you know, you never saw It's like talking about Bob Feller. Wow, Bob Feller really threw hard in 1945. <laughs> or, you know, he did. But, you know, he didn't throw a hard one by me. He, you know, right. it's, you're watching on a grainy video somewhere. And that's the way those players see Tiger Woods now.
the big question is how much information does Tiger have in front of him? So if at some point, like, you know, again, this is the most speculative discussion ever, but if, if at some point a doctor has said to him, you are not going to get back to it, then why wouldn't he have just retired? My point money, is it's money. 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 Nike. Money. money. Oh, man, you are a cynic. Money. Gosh. Uh, why, do you, why do you think players aren't playing in the Olympics? Do you think it's really because of Zika? Of course it's money. I mean, it's money and sponsorships and travel and security. And it's not, cyni- it's not cynicism. It's just that, you know, all, the, all these players are, are – are businessmen and it's a big business and you know the fact that players aren't allowed to wear their own logos at the olympics you you know that you know you can sneer at it and say oh you know it's not it's not very patriotic but that's real and for tiger and for nike and i mean how much money is nike invested in tiger so if you called it quits right now that well goes dry or sooner or that his value to them is not what it was i, I don't doesn't mean that they're going to drop him but it's just not it's his, not the same his value is not that great right now either though so this is sad this is really sad. Alex, Alex is tearing up. We should probably wrap we it move up soon. On. We move on to another topic. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we, we, what we know for sure is we will not see Tiger at the PGA, but we will see um, the rest of the best in the world. So um, we look forward to a big week. And, of course, uh, we'll probably do some podcasts from Baltusrol Golf Club, assuming we can get uh, decent parking while we're there. Uh, <laughs> thanks to Alex Myers, Ryan Harrington, and Matthew Rudy for joining us. And please subscribe to the Golf Digest podcast on iTunes.